Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Celebrate National Science Week in Australia, we find out about some Australian scientific research. Scientists from Sydney have identified a link between vitamin B3 and birth defects and have laid the groundwork for a potential and simple way to reduce the risk of birth defects in pregnancy. Plus, we find out about some other uses of vitamin B3 to help reduce the risk of melanoma. Australians love Vegemite. That black, tarry-like spread that we put on everything from toast to cakes and pizza scrolls is rich in many nutrients, including vitamin B3, which is pretty great for something that's just made of yeast extract left over from producing beer. But vitamin B3 has been identified through a groundbreaking study out of the Victor Chang Cardiac Institute in New South Wales as being potentially very, very useful in preventing all kinds of miscarriages and birth defects. And this research has been led out of Sydney's Victor Chang Cardiac Research Institute uh, by a a very wide-ranging study group led by Professor Sally Dunvudi. And they're investigating some major causes of defects for things such as heart, spinal, kidney, cleft palate problems in newborn babies, as well as miscarriages, which ultimately can be caused by some of these defects. And what they really identified is that there was a key deficiency in a vital molecule known as nicotinamide adenine dinocloatide, or NAD. And it's pretty much one of the most important molecules in all living cells. Uh, NAD synthesis is basically pretty essential for energy production, DNA repair, and cell communication. And there's a whole bunch of factors that can often lead to an NAD deficiency. These can be genetic, these could also be environmental, and they would disrupt the production of NAD. And that can ultimately lead to a whole bunch of different issues. And the way this whole study started was actually quite interesting. Instead of looking at particularly deficiencies in certain areas, they started from the other end and looked at children born with either heart, spinal, kidney, cleft palate, or other types of birth defects. And they looked at this cohort and tried to work backwards and identify any particular genes that were common in this cohort of birth defects. And this clustering or group of birth defects is called Vactoral. And they generally have anomalies in three areas, the spine, the anus, the heart, or the trachea, maybe the esophagus, or in the limbs. And in Australia, uh, about 1 in 20,000 babies are affected with some kind of these defects. So the authors looked at 13 affected family and identified a couple of gene variants that were specifically tied to these vectoral malformations. So they took this cohort of children born with these deficiencies And they actually looked for genetic screens across these and looked at the families and see if there's any common genes spread across these. And about three out of the four that they sort of highlighted as being key targets for the study, they're actually the the genes of both parents were actually closely related, not like brother-sister closely related, but in terms of differences between the genomes are very close. And that enabled them to really latch on to this couple of key genes that they might want to target for further testing. And effectively, what they then did was species of mice introduce these same genes and breed these groups of mice based on similar gene results that they saw in humans. Basically working backwards from what data we knew were tied to these birth defects, these vectoral associations in humans, and then try to engineer mice to have the same expressions of genes. 
And from there, you can take safe mice study and breed families of mice and then undertake controls and tests on these mice subjects rather than having to rely on human trials, which is very, very difficult. So after this whole sequencing, they identified really pinpointed two genes as potential things to investigate. And mice had their gene edited using the CRISPR gene editing system to isolate these two particular genes. And these genes were targeted because they believed to change the level of NAD and NADH, NADH chemicals in each living cell. As we talked about, these are key cells for producing and assisting energy storage and building DNA. And they are made from niacin, or otherwise known as vitamin B3. So that's why they targeted low NAD levels as something to do with birth defects. So after tinkering with the mice genes for a while, there wasn't any real progress. But when they noticed that some of the mice had niacin-rich diets, I find with vitamin B3 quite present in it, they started to experiment around the niacin aspect of it, so or the vitamin B3 aspect. So they mated and bred mice, expressing different variations of the gene, and then gave them both niacin-rich and niacin-poor diets. Uh, and what that helped them isolate is what role niacin, vitamin B3, played in interacting with these genes and also the likelihood of birth defects. So all these mice had genes that we know from human analysis could have some commonality to birth defect. And then we controlled and fed them lots of lots of vitamin B3 or no vitamin B3 and saw if there was any impact on that. So the mice mothers, which had low niacin diets and the propensity, the gene anyway, for having a risk of having these birth defects, ended up producing pups, mice pups, with birth defects. So this is great because when they then targeted and gave supplements to these mice, which was rich in niacin, vitamin B3, they saw less of these impacts and children were born without the defects despite having the gene. And that's that's really interesting and very cool because it shows a connection between having this gene, which results in less production of niacin and less healthy cells, uh, and providing a supplement meant that they avoided birth defects in the pups, despite them having a genetic predisposition to that. Now, this is not a human trial, and as with anything, that, especially things that involve pregnant mothers and children, human trials are a very, very long way down the path. So you don't need to go rush out and buy huge swathes of Vegemite or vitamin B3 supplements. But what this is mostly focusing on is a particular type of people who have genes that predisposes them to birth defects due to a lack of of producing niacin in their, in their cells. When these people are then targeted with vitamin B3 supplements, they could actually have pretty good results. And for this subset of people, it, it would work quite well. But what level of vitamin B3 is required as a supplement is not known yet. Neither is which is confirmation of the same impact being replicated in human trials. So it's a very, very good start, but it is not by all means the be-all and end-all for this particular research area. There's still a lot of work yet to be done. But this research that took around 12 years to identify is still pretty powerful because if it can be now studied in actual trials on humans, there might be a good way, a simple way, to boost and reduce the risk of any of these children being born with birth defects, particularly for those at risk potentially carrying this gene. And that can greatly reduce miscarriages and birth defects. And it's not a difficult treatment. It's a really simple treatment. It's a one that's actually often present already in pregnancy supplements. So by a simple dietary-based input, we could actually have a great reduction in risk of certain birth defects. It's not necessarily a be-all and end-all prevention. It's not a cure by any means, but it's a great way to reduce risk. 
And much in the same way as we use uh, folate to prevent spina bifida, we can also use this as a similar way to help reduce the risk or likelihood of that occurring in children. Now the next steps in this trial will be to develop a diagnostic test to measure NAD levels in women before pregnancy or during pregnancy to see if they are potentially at risk of the birth defects due to an NAD deficiency. And if they are, then we can target them with vitamin B3 treatment. And we could actually conduct a study to see if that has any benefits or not. But there's still some great ranking research being done right here in Australia out of New South Wales Victor Chang Cardiac Research Institute and published recently in the latest edition of the New England Journal of Medicine, which is one of the most prestigious medical journals in the world. It goes to show that a lot of great work can be done to help simply and effectively target and reduce risks of what would otherwise be devastating illnesses through some careful study and long-term trials. From one interesting application of vitamin B3 to another, this time out of the University of Sydney, with a study led by Dr. Gary Halliday and his team, who investigated the connections between a form of vitamin B3, nictotinamide, and how it can be used to help reduce or reverse DNA damage caused by UV radiation. And of keen interest in this is obviously for skin cancers such as melanoma, particularly amongst high-risk individuals. Now, melanoma itself is one of the fourth most common causes of cancer in the Australian population, and combined with an aging population and increased exposure to ultraviolet radiation over time and altered exposure patterns, we've actually started to see that rate of melanoma increase over time. And one of the problems with ultraviolet radiation is that it can actually block a lot of the genetic DNA repair and defense mechanisms that are going on. And what this ends up doing is by reducing the cell's ability to repair itself and DNA damage to be undone, means that uh, mutations, genetic mutations, can spread. And this is exactly what's happening with melanoma, a form of cancer. It's basically these genetic mutations getting out of hand and spreading across the cell. And this is one of the reasons why we you know, recommend really strongly here in Australia sun protection mechanisms, no hat, no play, sunscreen, and a bunch of other methods to help reduce the risk of skin cancer because we know of the damage that UV radiation can do. But for those who are at high risk, we need to try and find ways to further protect them, because some of, of all these mechanisms may not be enough. And there are a couple of different chemopreventative agents that we have. This might be uh, anti-inflammatory drugs that are non-steroidal, statins, restenoids, vitamin D supplements, selenium, and a bunch of other different sort of treatments. And these have been studied over time and analysed to see whether or not they have any effect. But nothing really stands out as a, as a particularly good risk reduction strategy. And whilst some forms of vitamin A or vitamin D have shown some promise in reducing the 
damage to DNA repair mechanisms. Uh, in controlled trials, they weren't actually found to have any reduced risk, which is a bit of a disappointment. So this hunt for a good treatment and good preventative measure for people who are at high risk of melanoma is still ongoing. And so researchers turned to nicotinamide, or NAM, which is an amidoid form of vitamin B3 we talked about earlier, which is known as niacin. And vitamin B3 is pretty nice because it's water-soluble and it's relatively cheap. You know, a one-gram dosage uh, a day it costs about $10 a month, which is actually a pretty cost-effective uh, risk reduction mechanism. Much, certainly much cheaper than buying a lot and a lot of sunscreen for every day. And one of the benefits of nicotinamide is that it actually shows some photoprotective effects against ways that melanoma is induced in cells. So basically blocks uh, the ultraviolet radiation from getting in and doing any DNA damage and any other immunosuppression effects of ultraviolet radiation. And that's one of the reasons why it was actually targeted as a potential useful thing to have. And when DNA stands break uh, from the result of introducing ultraviolet radiation, um, by adding some more nicotinamide, you can actually help them be repaired again. So it actually assists also in the DNA repair aspect of it. So these researchers had enough evidence to suggest that maybe, just maybe, this form of vitamin B3 nicotinamide was actually worthy of studying in more detail. And that's exactly what they did. They conducted a study which they called ONTRAC, which is uh, the long name for that is the oral nicotinamide to reduce their actinic cancer. And it was basically a multi-center, multi-phase, double-blinded, placebo-controlled tile with about 386 participants. So a reasonably large number, and they had a 12-month period of investigation. And, and the participants of the trial themselves were randomly assigned either a 500 milligram oral NAM supplement, so a vitamin B3 in this form supplement, about 500 milligrams, which is a reasonable amount, and others were given a placebo, pretty much in a one-to-one -one ratio. And the cohort that they selected was predominantly older males who had a higher risk of uh, developing melanoma, developing skin cancers in general, and a number of other medical conditions. So they sort of picked those because they were the people who would be most at risk and therefore the most benefit if they showed any type of reduction. Obviously, anyone who actually had any melanoma, invasive melanoma in the last five years were excluded from the trial. And at each three-monthly visit, at every three-month visit, the researchers were actually tracking the number of NMSCs, the non-melanoma skin cancers that were prevalent in the groups, basically as a precursor to track whether or not this is having any preventative effect or not. And in the participants who actually received the treatment, they had about a 23% lower incidence, which is actually a pretty good uh, reduction. And overall, across a number of other different factors, there was about a 13 to 20% reduction in other basal cell carcinomas, so basically some precursors to the development of a melanoma. And overall, the uh, actual treatment wasn't actually observed at that level of dosage, 500 milligrams, to have any adverse side effects compared to the placebo. So that's also good. So it's relatively safe as a good reduction of risk and of uh, not actually hurting any of the patients. But one of the challenges of this trial is that, well, obviously they didn't have a lot of people who are at particularly incredibly high risk for melanoma, and they couldn't really have long enough to observe how well it actually insulated them against that. But it wasn't actually targeted to see if it was any use for people who actually already had melanoma to see if it helped them out in any substantial way too. So there definitely are some areas to further investigate and study in this trial. And certainly going out and rushing out and buy a whole bunch of vitamin B3 in nicotinamide form is not necessarily advised as a be-all and end-all protection from melanoma. But it's certainly a key treatment that could be used for those who are at high risk. 
of developing melanoma and high risk of having it in general. So this could be a quick and effective treatment for those who are at risk and could be targeted quite well. And certainly the results of this paper more than warrant enough a further and wider spread trial to be done on a wider cohort, uh, looking at wider precursors to measure the effectiveness in general against preventing against skin cancers rather than a specific subset precursor that they were testing for. And one of the other interesting things to note, as Terry Slavine, who is the chair of the Cancer Council of Australia, actually notes that overall, melanoma rates in Australia are going down, particularly under the under 40 population, uh, going down by a measurable amount at this point in time, as, as more recent studies have indicated. And that's actually showing that a lot of the preventative work we're doing through people who grew up with slip, slop, slap, sun protection, sun smart, sunscreen, no hat, no play, all these other kind of policies that we have in place, uh, actually seeing less melanoma develop later in life. So a lot of the other preventative work that we're doing now too have done over the past 40 years, they're actually starting to reap benefits in the incidence of melanoma development as we see now as these people grow up. So that's quite interesting. Um because it shows that we still have a lot of work to do, but some of the work we've already done has actually started to reap benefits. And maybe this is another tool in our arsenal for those who are at risk, particularly in our aging populations, who already had all that damage done to them um, as potentially a way to help them out as well. So this is great work being done out of the University of Sydney by Dr. Gary Halliday and his team, including Rashi Minachoda and Diona Demain. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Found about the ways vitamin B3 can both help reduce the risk of birth defects and reduce the risk of melanoma in some patients. We found out about the hard work being done by Australian scientists at National Science Week. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.